Abolition. 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 I am a believer in that portion of the Declaration of American Independence in which it is set forth as among self-evident truths that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hence, I am an abolitionist. Convince me that one man may rightfully make another man his slave, and I will no longer subscribe to the Declaration of Independence. Every slave is a stolen man. Every slaveholder is a man-stealer. By no precedent, no example, no law, no compact, no purchase, no bequest, no inheritance, no combination of circumstances is slaveholding right or justifiable. While a slave remains in his fetters, the land must have no rest. Whatever sanctions his doom must be pronounced accursed. The law that makes him a chattel is to be trampled underfoot. The compact that is formed at his expense and cemented with his blood is null and void. The church that consents to his enslavement is horribly atheistical. The religion that receives to its communion the enslaver is the embodiment of all criminality. Such, at least, is the verdict of my own soul. On the supposition that I am to be the slave, that my wife is to be sold from me for the vilest of purposes, that my children are to be torn from my arms and disposed of to the highest bidder, like sheep in the marketplace, living or dying, defeated or victorious, be it ours to exclaim, no compromise with slavery, liberty for each, for all, forever. Oh, my God. 
Abolition today. You just heard William Lloyd Garrison giving the speech, No Compromise with the Evil of Slavery, and that was followed by O Freedom by the Tennessee Gospel Society. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. We are also simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, ready to do the damn thing. And don't I sound a whole lot better? Let's do it. You sound a whole lot better, brother. Welcome back. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. Welcome back. So last week we were joined by the Executive Director of the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance, Mark Hughes, speaking on Vermont's Prop 2, which is on the ballot in November, November 8th. This week, we'll be joined by guests Jeannie Alexander of Tennessee's No Exceptions Prison Collective, and we'll be going through week three of the eight weeks of abolition, abolishing slavery, constitutional slavery in five states. Priority number one is the Freedom Five. There's only five weeks left, and we want to make sure you know what you can do to help make history and permanent change in the nation. Without a doubt, our plan is to win in all five states. That's Alabama, Vermont, Louisiana, Oregon, and Tennessee. On November 8th, Tennessee citizens can vote yes on three and remove the slavery exception from the Tennessee Constitution. That's right. In 2022, we finally got an opportunity to actually end constitutional slavery in the birthplace of the KKK, Tennessee. And of course, we'll have incredible music mixes, and we'll bring the ancestors' voices back to life for a new generation on our Bridging the Gap segment. If you're a slavery abolitionist, you don't want to miss a single one of these episodes. We're in week three now. The future depends on you. Let's make our envisioned future a reality. So, Tonight, as I said, we'll be joined by uh, Reverend Jeannie Alexander. She's the co-founder and co-director of the No Exceptions Prison Collective and cultivates and collaborates with the earth to feed her community. She's a writer, abolitionist, anti-fascist, midwife to the dying, a daughter, a partner, lover of all things wild, worships in bogs, and is a walker of rivers. So we can't wait to have Jeannie join us in on the conversation. Before we get into that, Max, uh, tell us about your week and some of the things that went down. Uh, first of all, I'm vibing on that opening track. You know, William Lloyd Garrison, or at least uh, someone doing the speech for William Lloyd Garrison, uh, he really killed it. Right. And then Tennessee Gospel Society, uh, I just loved how they did that version. Um, the week has been hectic, man. It's, you know, we five weeks left. I mean, like, I'm both nervous and scared because I'm ready to right. harder this thing. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, 
I'm excited and I'm scared. I'm excited that we've gotten to a point where we never really believed we would get to in our lifetimes. It was for a while there, we was like, we're preparing the next generation because they ain't trying to hear us, you know? But here we are. So miracles happen uh, and God made a way. So I'm so excited about that, but I'm also fearful because I see the opposition and how they're playing their game and they're trying to kill these bills. They do not want slavery to be ended. Uh, in in those documents, and so they're fighting against it now. And I'm hoping that we win all five, but the worst case scenario is we don't win any, and that is is sitting on me because I know if we win, people will be like, "Hey, Max, y'all did the damn thing," and if we lose, they're gonna be like, "Max, you some bitch." <laughs> it's all your fault. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always gonna come down to you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't think like you the one that got us set into all of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long road, brother, and I was telling you earlier today that the, the hardest part for me in all these years and get to this close to it, it's not been fighting the opposition, fighting the slavery. It's been the battles amongst allies or alleged allies that just wears down so much, you know. I know right. it's a human condition, feelings and emotions. But too many of us operate out of feelings and emotions instead of logic and reason, especially when there's so much on the table, so much to lose. You know, you really got to keep that in mind. We need to be unified. And if you got a problem with somebody, you wait five weeks and then you say, you know, meet me after school at three o'clock. Listen, <laughs> you know? November 9th, it should be on, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. November 9th, meet me outside in the playground. We're going to get down, you know? <laughs> it's like that. You know? <laughs> we should not be fighting amongst one another. And anybody who calls himself an abolitionist of any kind should be in full support of this right now. Um, so, yeah, that's how the week has been, and that's what's been on my mind. How about you, bro? Oh, wait a minute. I do have one uh, more thing. We had a sure. lot of planning done for a press conference this Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, with the Freedom Five. So there's a lot of press going to be showing up, and we're asking all of our friends and listeners to please show up at 11 a.m. Go to the Freedom Five with the number five, thefreedomfive.com, to view this press release at 11 a.m. On Thursday, uh, we just want to impress the press. Like, look, look at all the people that showed up to see this. <laughs> so that's that's what I have. That's right. That's right, and that's that's huge right there. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. It's monumental, and we have our work cut out for us. And who who knew? You know, when you want when you and I took to the microphone back in March of 2020, we just wanted to create a database of information. That was sort of like this, the start. Let's create this database of information. Let's spread the word about, you know, uh, constitutional slavery, and then here we are. You know, we ran and we came across Dennis. We came across, you know, the Colorado crew, and it's just grown uh, tremendously. Help organize the to see us be where we are right now. Yeah, definitely been a hell of a road, man. Um, but let's go ahead and bring our guests in, you know, uh, because just For like sure. the Freedom Five, everybody's talking about them, but nobody's talking to them. There's all kinds of articles every day coming out from The Guardian and New York Times and blah, 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 blah about the Freedom Five, but they're not talking to them. So that's why 
we're doing what we're doing right here in Abolition today is they get to speak. So uh, you want to give an introduction once more to our guest today? Absolutely. So for those of you who missed her before when she came into uh, our episode back on season, was it this season that they came on? It was this yes. season, episode 14. Uh, she's back once again. This is Reverend Jeannie, Alex- Jeannie Alexander, co-founder and co-director of the No Exceptions Prison Collective. Jeannie, welcome back to the show. It is so good to be here, Brother Yusuf and Max. This is so good. And Max, I thought you loved me. Like, you got me following Mark, and that's <laughs> so hard to follow. Um, <laughs> Uh, we'll just be glad you ain't <laughs> coming out good. after next week. <laughs> next oh, week we got yeah. Queen of Benin on, on with us, along with Curtis Davis. Oh. So, yeah, you don't want to follow the Queen of Benin. <laughs> no, no, I'd have just said no. Just bump me down the line. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so good to be here, and oh, that music selection and that speech from William Lloyd Garrison was just powerful like i it's so funny like oh i'm listening to that speech too you know when he's saying about the um the declaration of independence mm-hmm. you know the funny thing is um earlier this week um i preached at a chapel service at american baptist college um one of our hbcus here in nashville and um it was their constitution day and so um, it was. It was. It was really good. I came in, and basically my position was the Constitution is a lie. And we started with that Declaration of Independence. Um, this this whole notion that all men, never mind women, but all men are created equal. It's like, what do you even do with a document that is a lie on its face to begin with? Because it was never intended that all people are created equal. You know, and. Um, right. Yeah, right, so I'm just right. really digging this vibe right now. I, I, it feels I, I really good. I love the point where, um, where he was uh, showing how there is no exceptions, which, you know, no exceptions no. prison collective. And he was breaking it down. There's no exceptions at all, no compromise in slavery, period. And that's where we're at. Well, and um, that's where the, the name of our organization comes from, by the way, um, that there should be no exceptions to the abolition of slavery, period. Right. Like, how is that confusing to anybody? How is that even debatable? Which is what actually is happening. We've got people, like in your state, four people voted no. And no one, not one of them yeah. gave a reasonable excuse. I remember the one saying, well, I'm an attorney, and I don't understand it, and I don't think my constituents will understand it, so I'm not going to try to explain it to them, and I'm just going to vote no. Like what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, come on, you already said it. I mean, this is the birthplace of the Klan, Pulaski, Tennessee. Like, you know, right. I I am amazed that we got overwhelming support in the legislature. I, I'm looking at like some of the fights my comrades have gone through with this, you know, and just amazed we got it through like we did, you know, um, with a total of at the end of the day six voting against it, two in the House and four in the Senate, and. You know, there's, it's all disingenuous. You know, any any of the opposition to this, the bottom line is, okay, so then you support slavery. It's like, no, 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 you can't say no because you are not for the abolition of slavery. You are just fine with slavery as long as it applies to the people that you're more than happy to also, by the way, disenfranchise. 
I mean, these things aren't separate at all. Like in Tennessee, for example, we've got over 400,000 people who have been robbed of their voting rights. Same people who have been targeted and who have been enslaved in this state. You know, so. Whew. 400,000 people who can't vote because of a felony yep. disenfranchisement. Uh, and that's that is right. not even a, something that's in our Constitution. It was brought over from oh. uh, Europe as part of the civil death punishment, where uh, I think it was reaffirmed in the, uh, what was it, the one, Virginia versus Ruffin. Ruffin versus, Ruffin, Ruffin versus Commonwealth. Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. versus Commonwealth, right, where the, the Supreme Court there basically said that prisoners are slaves of the state and that they are to be treated as if they were dead, as if their their estates yeah. were the estates of dead people. And they're still doing that in 2020, damn, too, turning people into property, taking away their right to vote, taking away their citizens' uh, rights and civil rights. It's just amazing. Gene? Well, you know, I mean, and and that's one of the reasons why one of, and I, I know this is true in some other states too, but one of the things that the Department of Correction here in Tennessee loves to do as part of their window dressing um, is to talk about returning citizens. They're not returning citizens. It's like, come on, people. It's exactly what you said. That very notion of civilly dead. I'm like, keep that c word out of your mouth. You're talking about people who have been enslaved, who have stripped of their rights that it's legal to discriminate against them with regards to housing, with employment, basically everything you can imagine, don't you dare talk about returning citizens. Again, I mean, and that's how we, that's how this perpetuates, right? Because language is important. And as long as that we allow mm-hmm. systems and like this, you know, this, that's a politically dominant system to talk like that and to use that language without at every single turn that it comes up, standing up and saying, no, no, you don't get to say that. And here's why. Um, you know. They talk about it like they were rabbits in a magic hat. You know, they were gone for a while, but oh. look, we just pulled them yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Here they are. Oh, and, and, and never mind the trauma that has been inflicted upon people by our system. Like, we ain't going to talk about that either, you know? I'm not going to talk right. about any of it. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to talk trauma. about it. It's like, why don't you have a job now, right? That's what they want to talk about. Why don't you have a job? <laughs> By the um, way, I need um, a quick check here. How carefully do I need to watch my profanity in this podcast? Because I'm one of those cousin preachers, and I just need to be careful. I can I can listen, avoid it if I need to. We don't censor neither our music or our guests, but we expect our okay. guests to know the difference between censorship and respect. Of course. Okay. All right. I'm just being careful. Yeah. You can, you can say whatever you want to say, and we are not going to censor you. Mm. Uh, but if you get mm. carried away, uh, we might. Uh, Yusuf's mother might send him a, a harsh yeah, message. Yeah, I'll get a text from my mother. <laughs> we are mom We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be okay. <laughs> all right, but yeah, if, if you say you know, let something slip, it's, it's on you. Do whatever you want to do. You know. Okay, um, I'm careful. Especially with the music, we don't censor that. You know, people say that means part of the art. If they're saying that, then let's play that. There's no reason for us to censor it. So we're PG-13 for that reason. Mm-hmm. You guys have been in the Good. news a lot lately, too, I've been seeing. Uh, the whole Freedom Five has been getting a big push. But Tennessee has been making quite a bit of news. You want to tell me about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you're saying is like we 
I'm going to knock on every piece of wood around me right now um, because, you know, strange as it is, we don't really have an opposition campaign in the state. And part of that reason is we kept it bipartisan, you know, which is, again, if you look at everything else that's going on in Tennessee, it's, <laughs> it's a disaster. But this one thing, um, I, I think it's this one thing that people can vote for and actually be excited about. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is just, this is a state – Full of racism. I mean, that's just, that's, I've lived here for a long time. Uh, I was born in Georgia. I was raised in the South. I mean, I, I know where I'm from. Um, but so far, it has just been really positive. Um, a lot of news coverage, a lot of really positive news coverage. Um, so we'll take it. Um, yes. And we're hoping to just keep pushing that through for the next five weeks. Um, yeah, we and, need all the help and, we can get, right? I, we do. We'll take it. All the help we can get. Anybody wants to come out and support right. this and to like sign on to it, that's great. We'll take it. Um, so that's yeah. I mean, so I, I think it's just and, and folks and you know journalists, not just in the state, um, you know, but but nationally and some international journalists, people have taken interest. And I think it's because you know, again, back to that fact that this is the birthplace birthplace of the Klan. Like we can't. I mean, that's why we're in this position right now, right, forgetting history or, or, or conveniently, you know, forgetting it. Um, so it's pretty remarkable what's happening here. Um, and it took a long time. I mean, this has been not nearly as long as we've had legalized slavery in our Constitution, but, like, this, this is something that's been gestating for a good 10 years, you know. Um, it's been a slow burn, a slow build, and... And I think because we have been so intentional and kind of slow in the beginning and careful, um, and careful about the fact that the, the way we've talked about this is to simply say slavery is legal in the state of Tennessee. It is in our Constitution. Uh, people in our prisons and jails have been rendered legal slaves in this state, and this is wrong. It has to go. Like this is this is morally indefensible, and the only uh, moral response to slavery is abolition. And we've just like really stuck to that, um, and that's that's a message and that we've been like just pounding on for a decade. And so this is where we are. Well, I've got a couple of those clips right on hand. How about we listen to them together so our audience can see what okay. we're talking about? And, of course, you know, I got it uh, maxed out. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and play clips of the <laughs> recent news clips that have been coming out. And uh, mm-hmm. we're also going to open up the phone lines today. So if you want to call in and ask a question to Jeannie Alexander or one of us, the number is 515 515- Six zero five nine eight one four. That's five one five six zero five nine eight one four. Remember to press one so we know that you have a question or comment. All right, this is a, a Amendment Three news clips across Tennessee, and it's mixed with Tennessee whiskey, the Chris Stapleton violin cover. You're listening to Abolition Today, AbolitionToday dot org with Max Parsons and Yusuf Hassan, and our guest today is Jeannie Alexander of the Tennessee Prison Co- No Exception Prison Collective. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Today. This is not uh, 1920. It's not 1863. This is 2022. Uh, they need to vote to get the language out of our Constitution. 
More than 150 years after it was outlawed, the Tennessee Constitution still allows slavery and involuntary servitude as forms of criminal punishment. Now, this November, voters have the power to finally take that provision out. Yeah, News Channel 5's Hannah McDonald talked with a state legislator who's also a faith leader about this potentially monumental change. Faith-based institutions in our state are places where people come to uh, receive healing and to receive comfort and to receive encouragement and to receive uh, you know, guidance for their lives. And that's why this month, Lee Chapel AME Church Pastor Harold Love Jr. is giving members information that may drive them to the polls. We definitely want to remove the word slavery from the state constitution. Right now, slavery and involuntary servitude are still allowed as forms of criminal punishment in Tennessee. We don't want persons who incarcerate to be considered to be slaves, right? We don't want any punishment, any crime to be likened unto slavery. Constitutional Amendment 3 on the November 8th ballot would prohibit any kind of slavery. Think about the way that the language and the word itself evokes images of a past that we don't, we don't want to relive. Pastor Love, who is also a state representative, says this is the closest Tennessee has ever gotten to banning slavery for good. It's taking years to get here. Legislators have to cast multiple votes on a proposed constitutional amendment before it can get on the statewide ballot. Now it's up to voters in November to drive this one home. I would hate again for a child to be sitting in history class and have the teacher unable to talk about the fact that collectively in 2022, we all decided that we remove slavery from the Constitution in the state of Tennessee. A yes vote would be to amend the Constitution, and a no vote would be not to amend the Constitution. In Nashville, I'm Hannah McDonald, News Channel 5. Thanks, Hannah. This year, voters in Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, and Vermont are also considering slavery ban amendments. And by the way, similar language is also still in the U.S. Constitution. This is not uh, 19 point, it's not 1863. This is 2022. Uh, they need to vote to get the language out of our Constitution. Tennesseans will have the option to vote to abolish slavery in Tennessee. News 2's Nikki McGee spoke to community leaders coming together in Clarksville, urging you to get out and vote. Today, the organization Free Hearts and the Montgomery County NAACP came together to raise awareness about Amendment 3. It's a measure that will appear on the November ballot and would do away with slavery in our state in its entirety. In 1865, Tennessee abolished slavery with one exception. The state constitution still allows for, quote, slavery and involuntary servitude as punishment for a crime. This is not uh, 1920, it's not 1863. This is 2022. Uh, they need to vote to get the language out of our constitution. This language hits home for people like Jeremy White, who says he was incarcerated for more than two decades. The 13th Amendment still indicates that if you've been duly convicted of a crime in the state of Tennessee, that you're still subject to slavery. Now he and other members of the Montgomery County community are coming together, encouraging voters to vote yes on Amendment 3 to abolish slavery. It starts with people first language. It starts with recognizing that we're not nobody's slave and that they need to remove that language out of the Constitution. At the end of the day, these activists hope to convince voters not only to consider Amendment 3, but to actually show up to the polls and vote. A lot of people think, uh, my vote doesn't matter. Well, if you don't vote, it doesn't matter. 
If you vote for a candidate of your choice, then the bottom line, no matter whether you win or lose, at least you're part of the process. Amendment 3 made it onto the ballot after a 26-4 vote in the Senate. It will need at least 51% of the votes to pass in November. Abolition. You just heard news clips of Amendment 3 in Tennessee, and that was accompanied by Chris Stapleton's violin cover of Tennessee Whiskey. I'll pass it to you, Janine. Uh, uh, Janine. Janine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, right? <laughs> That's, um, <laughs> you know how we do it. <laughs> Good stuff. I just have to say something, though. You know, just the irony of this is um, mm-hmm. Tennessee is one of many states during this past legislative session that outlawed the teaching of critical race theory in its right. public schools, um, mm-hmm. where it wasn't being taught anyway. But the idea that you still have slavery active in your constitution, <laughs> you know, right. you know where I'm mm-hmm. going with this. Yep. And you don't want to talk right. about critical race theory. <laughs> Right. I'm laughing not because it's funny, but it's like you laugh or you cry uh, or you punch a wall. And I'm not punching anything at the moment. Uh, I, I'm tired of crying. So it's just like, oh, my God. You know? That's what Pastor um, Harold Love Jr. was talking about when he said that you, yes. know, you can't. Well, here we are always saying we want to get rid of slavery, but you can't even talk about it in the schools. Well, I, I, and I will say uh, Representative Reverend Love um, has, has definitely been a strong ally. Um, in the Tennessee legislature consistently for years. Like before, before we even had this, um, this, this joint resolution up about the abolition of slavery, you know, to get that on the ballot, uh, and so many issues, he's just, I just want to say, he has just been on the right side time and time again when it comes to issues concerning internal conditions in our prisons um, and so many other ways. And, um, so yeah, that was that was a great interview, and he is of course speaking truth to his congregation. And you know, as part of that um, African American clergy collaborative that we have in this state, which is just powerful, hundreds and hundreds of pastors like educating and speaking to their congregations, and and I think that that is exactly right to be preaching this. And speaking this from the pulpit, again, this is a moral issue. And um, so I'm just, you know, as always, just really appreciative um, to Harold Love for his work uh, on this and and other issues in the state. You know, I've noticed during this fight that a lot of the organizers, particularly lead organizers, behind the amendment changes tend to be pastors or reverends or people with deeply religious backgrounds, like Quakers, um, and you yourself are a, a, a reverend. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any particular uh, scripture that you fall back on that you read and, like, okay, this is why I'm doing this, because that? You know, I, what I really fall back on uh, are my personal experiences in life. I mean, I can point to scripture, you know, and Luke chapter 4, you know, when, when uh, Jesus is preaching and basically announcing basically what is going to be his platform, his program, right? So, mm-hmm. And that is to bring good news to the poor and freedom to the captives. And 
I'm telling mm-hmm. you, good news to the poor and freedom to the captives. They have jack shit to do with what's going to happen to you after you die. Because that is not good news to the poor and freedom for captives, for prisoners, for slaves, if you wait till you're dead. That is not good news. And so it is very concrete. And so, you know, the, the, I'm very much an interfaith pastor, uh, uh, not just a, a Christian one. And, but I, I will say, in particular, I think if you, as a pastor, I'll say, if you're reading uh, the gospel, you know, and, and you're not reading it in the historical political context in which they occur, then you're not reading it. Uh, I, I don't know what you're doing, right? That, because that's the exact same um, perspective and theology that allowed for slavery in so long. We, for so long, we know that, like, leading up to the, the first civil war in this country, and I say the first because I think we're headed for a second, but that's a whole other program. But, there, you know. The, you in the right the, program the, the for that, too. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that anytime you want. Um, but all the denominations split over the question of slavery. They split, and you had the ones, you know, who were, who were fighting in the South, uh, who, was, you know, who were using, you know, um, different verses and theology to say, oh, well, you know, slaves need to be mindful and listen to their masters, and your reward is going to come in the afterlife. And, and that is an absolute fascist damning theology it was then it is now um that's the theology of a slaver and it is one that i firmly reject and so many pastors before me who paved the way have firmly rejected and so you know i i'm always super aware of the fact that i'm not doing anything new um that that we are being uplifted by our ancestors um and that this is this is a fight that continues because it is not over it's not even close to over but five of our states are going to make some serious headway come november 8th that's the plan mm-hmm. um it's amazing you mentioned luke 4 uh but even before the program i was talking to yusuf about this observation that i had and I pointed out that we're, it's like back in the days of Frederick Douglass when he was talking about the two religions of Christ, the two different Christ, the Christ of the slaver and the actual Christ. And we're in that right now. You know, we're looking at it right now again. We've got these people out here calling yeah. themselves Christians who are uh, genocidal is, is probably a, a kind way to describe what they're talking about, calling for the murder of minorities and what did they say last week? Undeserving minorities, right? <laughs> and right. You know, getting all bent out of shape over things like mermaids. Uh, it, it's just ridiculous. That is not Christ-like. So for me, Luke 14 is like literally the nail in the cross. <laughs> like It's Christ himself saying, I'm anointed, right? And here's why I'm anointed. Right. And then he actually separated the per. Of freedom of prisoners and to set the oppressed free. So he knew that there was a difference between slavery yes. and those who are serving time, but he recognized that they were all together. And he said, the first, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. And I know that doesn't mean those who literally can't see, but those who claim to be so smart, but are overlooking the most important thing. And then finished it off with, to set the oppressed free. That's crisis marching orders. And if you want to be Christ-like, yes. guess what you got to do? <laughs> well, I mean, what you got to do is you got to be part of a movement. And that movement has nothing to do with the rise of Christian nationalism that we're seeing in this country right now. 
which goes directly to your point, you know, that as we're like, we're approaching, we're, we're, uh, you know, uh, approaching on um, the support of genocide in in some ways. um, And, and certainly the dehumanization of people, you know, whether we are talking about uh, black folks, prisoners, queer folks, like all of this, like this country is on fire right now. And, and I'll tell you, the side that would love to just keep this in the Constitution very much locates their roots in a form of Christian nationalism. And, and, and you know, historically speaking, I know you know this, like mm-hmm. uh, you're one of the best historians I have ever heard speak, by the way. So I'm not even going <laughs> to But we've never seen Oh, that's just wow. real. I mean, we have, we've never seen fascism rise in any country without – one branch of the church walking hand in hand with it. Yes. Um, mm. and, and that is exactly what we're seeing here right now in the United States. William Lloyd Garrison at the opening of the show said that uh, those Christians who are working with slavers yep. are the combination of the worst criminals of all. Uh, and they are. Yes. And then Frederick Douglass just described it saying that the church bells and the auction bells would chime in unison. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, not only are you one of the best historians I know, you're one of the best preachers I know, too. So <laughs> well. Don't tell nobody, but I am a minister. It's a secret. Uh-huh. This is the ministry. You, you just told everybody. There you oh, go. damn it. <laughs> well, this and, and, you know, I mean, and this transcends, you like, uh-huh. like any one particular religion, because we are where we are in Tennessee today because of a Muslim prisoner. That's where this started, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, every every religion has its liberation theology and it has its oppressive theology. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. It looks like we have a caller. Um, let's see who we got here. Um, Forty four three. You're on abolition today. Uh, state your name, question, and comment. Did you say four eight four three? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got a uh, a question um, and then a comment as well. Um, I'm interested in knowing, um, assuming that all the states that are on the ballot for abolishing slavery outright across the board, um, what states are left that, that still have it in effect? How many states still have it in effect, even if those are if it's done away with in those states. And then uh, the, the comment I have is, uh, the, you know, the, the nation either has to be pro-slavery or 100% pro-slavery or 100% anti-slavery. There's no middle ground on slavery that I see. You can't have pro-slavery people in an anti-slavery country. And when you enable slavery, even for those people that are duly convicted, um, you're you're allowing leeway to pro-slavery people to have control over other people in a way that shouldn't be allowed. Slavery and involuntary servitude is deeply degrading to individuals and groups. And it's extremely difficult for those individuals to recover from. I mean, that's whether they've been convicted of a crime or not. Um, that that should be beside the point. And, and I, I agree you're on the same page on that. You know, whether somebody's been duly convicted of a crime or not is, is irrelevant. 
you know, you shouldn't be exposing people to slavery and involuntary servitude. Right. Uh, was that your comment? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think I can answer the first half. Uh, Jenny, you could answer this, uh, reply to the second. The first half, uh, at this point in time, we have uh, four states that have removed these exception clauses without caveat. There are still 21 constitutions left to do in addition to those. That's how many of them adopted this language. And in 2023, on my list right here, there are 17 states that have legislation either ready or uh, are ready to introduce legislation in 2023. So we'll have another 17 next year. And that includes Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., as well as a federal resolution. We have a joint federal resolution on the table right now that will repeal the 13th Amendment and replace it with no caveats, including as for a punishment for crime. So uh, that's there you go. And Jeannie? Yeah, um, this is another show, too. But first of all, uh, liberation for Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's its own country, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, right. I mean, the caller is exactly right. You know, one of the... Everything is about proximity and knowing people and understanding the way that people's lives are directly impacted. And uh, a good friend of mine uh, was trying to get in to see her husband and was being unjustly denied a visitation and having to fight a core civic prison to go in and see her husband and was having a disagreement. There was no reason she shouldn't have been allowed in, she and, and her children. And an associate warden told her, Ma'am, I'm sorry, you are confused. You don't understand that the state of Tennessee owns your husband's body. Like that language was used, you know, and, and that's because that's, that, that's the reality, right? So right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil's a lie, but sometimes the devil speaks the truth. And, um, and they've been so confident in speaking it for so long. You know, I mean, it's even the very language that's used, right, on the inside. If someone is transferred from one person to another, that's not what it's called. It's called being shipped, you know? Right, it's like a, I mean, and, and, and what is it? Yes, like product, because that's the product of the new plantation. It's not a crop. It's the human body. That is the product, you know? That is the method for making the profit. You know, and and Tennessee again, another like damned leader in this, like uh, Corrections Corporation of America, which is now known as CoreCivic, was founded in 1983 in Tennessee. It's the second largest private prison corporation in the world, uh, only second to GeoCore, and it was founded in 1983 by then the chair of the Republican Party, Tom Beasley. You know, I mean. We just we just keep seeing a transformation of the same thing over and over again. So you're, I mean, obviously your caller is just spot on with that. Right, and you know when you mentioned the statement about the state of Tennessee owns you, that's a common statement made all across the country in prisons. And according to okay. the Harvard Bellagio guidelines on the legal definition of slavery, that fits it perfectly. It says that slavery is the status or condition of a person over whom any or all of the powers attached to the right of ownership are exercised. You're claiming them as property, and you're literally selling people on the open market in the form of prison stocks and jail mm-hmm. bonds. So people are purchasing these stocks, 
not with the idea that the prisons themselves are just going to generate money in a vacuum, but that they'll always remain filled and grow and grow so your money will grow. And that's about yes. people. Yes, it's about people. I mean, people. we can never, ever forget or avoid the facts. We have to always keep this in mind that when GeoCore or CoreCivic or Corizon, any of that stock is being traded, that what's being traded is human flesh. Human period. flesh, that's right. That's right. Call it that's right. That, uh, and children. Uh, oh, sorry, Gina. <laughs> and you can't have a nation that says, you can't have a nation that says that slavery and involuntary servitude are, are horrible things. They need to be abolished nationwide. But, but, you know, it's really not a bad thing if it's somebody that's been convicted. Come on, man. If it, if it's, right. it, you know, the, the the biggest one of the biggest problems with slavery and involuntary servitude is is the abuse of it. Uh, look what right. they did with privatized slavery prior to the Civil War and even after the Civil War. Truth be told, um, even after the Thirteenth Amendment, they got they found ways to get around it, but they subjected sl- slaves to hor- horrific abuses. And the same the same thing is going on with prisons. Um, they're they're getting leeway because of that exception to treat people basically any old kind of way, and um, not much is said or done about it. In many instances, the best example you can see of that in real time right now is what's going on in Alabama. Uh, they had a work strike mm-hmm. over there to protest the conditions. They already had the Department mm-hmm. of Justice investigate and find that there are rampant violations of the Eighth Amendment. There's been information and videos and all kinds of stuff that's been coming out for years about Alabama. And in response to their prison work strike, what did they do? They starved them. They literally were showing us the pictures of the food that they were eating. They starved them. They beat some. The leaders of the organization mm-hmm. who organized it put them in solitary confinement. And then Governor Kay Ivey comes out and says that their demands unreasonable. Well, their demands are very simple, like removal, uh, retroactive removal of the uh, Habitual Offender Act, which has one man in prison now for life for nine dollars, nine dollars, because that was his final felony, and now he's in prison for life. So how is that unreasonable? That's a human rights violation, and it's a constitutional violation that the Department of Justice is completely aware of. You know, and also you know. There's one more thing. There's a speech by Ernestine Rose that I dug up, and you guys should read it. We'll put it on our page today. And she said, slavery and freedom cannot exist together. You can't have the land of the free and say that slavery is abolished and then add an accept. It don't matter what comes after that. The moment you put an accept in there, the abolition was no longer valid. I agree. I like to describe slavery as a bad genie that you don't want to let out of the bottle, period. And and they they act like, well, we can let it out of the bottle in connection with, with duly convicted prisoners, but everybody else, we've got to keep that bottle corked tight. Come on, man. It doesn't work that way. If it's a bad Amen. genie for, for the general population, it's a bad genie for everybody. What did you say? And that, that's the way I feel about it. My name's David. I'm in Illinois. Thank oh, very much, right. David. okay, David. He called in before. Uh, okay. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your commentary, brother. If uh, just press one to bring your hand down. I'm gonna put you on mute for now. And if you oh, have okay. any more questions or comment, just press it one again so we know. Okay. 
Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I like. Oh, I cut him you off. You know, David is right. Let me bring him back. Let me bring him right Analogy display. There you go. Finish your sentence, David. What did you say? Oh, I, I like that. The bad genie uh, in a bottle that you got to keep keep tightly corked uh, yeah. in connection with slavery. You can't you can't let it out even a little bit, and that's what they've right. done. You know. You can't let that bad genie out a little bit because it's so destructive. It's so devastating to, to people and families and and in the in the nation as a whole. I mean, you can't have a half half pro-slavery nation and half anti-slavery nation. It doesn't work that way. You gotta you gotta do what you guys are are, are doing, getting it abolished nationwide, get rid of it once and for all. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you so much, David. Uh, appreciate you. Read that speech Thank by you. Ernestine Rose. She talks about the same thing that you're talking about. All right. Uh, Jeannie, but, you were saying? You know, to, to, yeah, to, to David's point, um, and Jeannie is a good genie, by the way. <laughs> I can polish it, but yeah, all the bad genies. Um, to, to David's point, though, I mean, the reality is the exception swallows the rule. So there is no abolition of slavery. I think he is exactly spot on about. We do not have abolition of slavery in this country. We don't. Um, right. We, not until we have now. category. We had. <laughs> nope. Not until now. You're right. Not until now. Right. And this is not the end of it either. Uh, you know, there's a list of things we got to do. So the first one for us is end slavery because you can't really move forward. You can't expect justice or freedom or equality as long as slavery is still legal. I mean, that should be a given, right? And then the second thing is to free the enslaved. Yes. Well, and can we can we can we pause on this for a moment because I think that's really important, and I think this kind of goes to your point also earlier about you know it's not the people who oppose you, right? That are the heartbreaks. It's it's the allies, you know. And um, and I know that you've heard about this in other states, and I've had one-on-one conversations with people about this in Tennessee who say, okay, well, I'm not going to support this because it doesn't go far enough. And I hear that, right? We all hear that. But, my God, the first thing, please, can we just get slavery out of our Constitution? And then we go forward. But I, I would just, like, beg people. I am not beyond begging. Please do not right. not support these amendments in various states or remove slavery from the Constitution because your position is, this doesn't go far enough. Yeah, we all know that, but we don't get to step two until we get through step one. Exactly. And, and, and this and is the biggest pass. step. Yeah, this is the biggest yeah. step right here because yeah. for the things that come after, we can't even do them until this one is done. You know, when it talks about, say, you want to start bringing forth lawsuits. Well, right now okay. the courts will say they'll defer to the 13th Amendment or whatever the state's constitution says. So it's blocked right there. And when you start talking about the abuses, the Eighth Amendment violations, the 14th and 15th Amendment violations, they're all blocked by these exception clauses. So it's very important to do the first because you can't do the first. You can't do two, three, four, up to 55,000, whatever issues come after until you get issue number one out of the way. You know, when I envision it, I see it as a greased stairway with a locked door, padlocked up at the top. And we got mm. a key, but we just got to make our way up to the top, 
and open the door, and there's a whole universe that's never been explored that we can go into because we've never seen that day. where We've never had that door open where slavery was actually illegal in America. It's always been legal here, and it's the only nation I know of that has the conditions under which a person can become a slave in their constitutions, not once, mm. not twice, 25 freaking times. Some of them with multiple exceptions. Tennessee joined the Union in, what, 1796? So Tennessee has never seen freedom. Never Never. seen freedom. And and you know what? And I think that this also dovetails into this notion that we've had this democracy of a country. Like, we have to talk about the fact that we – this is not a free country – this is a country that, that, that harbors and allows and promotes slavery and the enslavement of people. And, and the same thing with democracy. People talk about democracy like the, like the founding of this country. We didn't have anything that even looked like a democracy that you could even talk about to the Voting Rights Act. Like, uh, but even still today, with everyone who is disenfranchised, we still don't have that, right? So, um, we don't have a free we don't have a free country, and we don't have a country without slavery, and, and quite frankly, we don't have a democracy. You know, I'm a student but I know of that's, chaos. That's another show. I know. <laughs> I'm a student of chaos Sorry, and complexity Matt. theory. Uh, so I know that small perturbations in a system's dynamics can change the entire system. And that's one of the things I apply in the efforts that I make every day in the abolitionist movement. But we found some history of Tennessee where that same thing happened. And I think it explains mm-hmm. a lot about why you're here today in the conditions that you are in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Yusuf showed this to me. It's John Simprich, and he's explaining how Tennessee is the one and only state that did something no other state did or was allowed to do something no other state did. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're going to go ahead and play this clip, and we're going to give a little lesson on the history of Tennessee and potentially explain why we're at where we're at right now. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parkinson and Yusuf Hassan. Our guest tonight is Jeannie Alexander from No Exceptions Prison Collective, who is leading the uh, way to remove the exception clause from the Tennessee State Constitution. We'll be right back after this. Abolition Today. John Simprich, in late 1862, uh, East Tennessee is still under Confederate control, and um, portions of Tennessee along the Mississippi, Cumberland River, parts of the Tennessee River Valley would be under federal control. Uh, In September, after the Battle of Antietam, Lincoln issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, uh, which basically was a threat to declare slavery ended in the areas that didn't restore their loyalty to the federal government by the end of the year. So they had uh, an opportunity to get out of, or to get exempted from the uh, the end of the coming end of uh, slavery by presidential action, and this affects uh, the politics fairly quickly. Uh, many of the Tennessee Unionists uh, had been 
uh, well, were slave owners and uh, had not ex expected to see slavery harmed. Although when the Federals came into the state, wherever the Federals went in the Confederacy, slaves ran away. Uh, to the Federals, seeing that as a, an uh, disruption of the normal operation of things and as a chance to, to achieve freedom. The way that uh, Unionists were supposed to restore the state's loyalty was through holding elections for the U.S. Congress. But Tennessee's part of the, the war front and it's difficult to hold elections under those circumstances. Military Governor Andrew Johnson uh, was given that position to reestablish civil government and basically to supervise civil affairs uh, in the interim. Uh, he's tried some elections, things didn't go well, uh, a lot of uh, pro-Confederate sympathy still in Tennessee. He has his doubts about the elections, and you know, a number of unions are concerned about slavery. One of them comes up with this plan to petition the president to simply exempt the state on the grounds that they can't hold a legitimate election while being part of the, the front lines of uh, the war. Uh, Johnson signs that and that his signature is by the key signature on it and it did convince Lincoln uh, on January 1st 1863 to exempt the entire state from uh, the proclamation. Other areas were exempted uh, along with Tennessee but no other state was fully exempted. Abolition. 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 So you just heard John Semprich speaking on slavery's end in Tennessee, and he's also the author of the book of the same name. And shout out to M. Beats for the Tennessee instrumental. Uh, welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthish, Yusuf Hassan, and our guest, Jeannie Alexander of the Tennessee's No, what is it, Tennessee's No, no Exception Collective. Collective. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that, Jeannie. It's uh, a mouthful. You, Any music. Yes. No exception. I'll give yeah. you I'll give you first crack at it, you know. Was this new information to you? If so, uh you know, how did you feel about it? If it's old information and maybe you have more info, let us know. I mean, as far as, no, it is not new information, right? But it is new information, I think, to probably a lot of listeners. It's important. And this is why... You know, we have Juneteenth that we celebrate, but enslaved persons in Tennessee didn't even hear about the Emancipation Proclamation, not in June, but not until August. That's when our Freedom Day is. And and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised about it. But even hearing about it, you were still exempt from it. Yep. It was the only state yeah. to be completely right. exempt from didn't the Emancipation apply. Proclamation. Exactly, which, again, is why... And you know I'm still knocking on every piece of wood around me. It's just amazing that we are, like, really pushing ahead, full steam ahead for this November the 8th election. Um, because, yes, we were exempt. And, again, like I said, emancipation never even came to the knowledge of people until August. 
and in 1864. And that entire speech will be on our page. It's not a speech. It's like an interview that he's giving. It's about 56 minutes long. Uh, You know, a lot of great information in there, especially as it goes towards uh, Andrew Johnson. At the time, he was the military governor of Tennessee, so he played a huge role in this. And you can even covers how Johnson reached abolitionism, and then he reverted back when he wanted to, you know, run for office, and he needed the support of Tennessee. Uh, but, of course, the the speaker, John Semperage, is only covering it from the aspect of the 13th Amendment ending slavery, which we know that that's not true, but he came from that standpoint that it and that it ended slavery. While but he explained still a lot that of great did. information. Right. <laughs> While he explained <laughs> that it didn't. Double <laughs> think Well, well and also in the Tennessee State Constitution, like the reassertion of that exception, um, I mm-hmm. need to go double check my notes, but I think that didn't happen until 1878. Like just reaffirming, reasserting that exception again. And the state constitution right. after the Civil War, after that. And I want to say this, too. Like, I find that interesting, too, um, about Johnson being suspicious of the election. I mean, <laughs> I mean, history repeats itself. I know, right? Like, if you need help on how to hold an election during a war on the front lines, maybe you should ask Russia. Apparently, they know how. <laughs> you know? Oh. <laughs> I just checked my profanities then. Here's another piece of information uh, that I came across when I came across that. When it came to, I came across this article. It's from MainStreetNashville.com. You familiar with that paper, Janine? Jenny? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so they have it's, it's called When It Came to Abolitionism. Tennesseans didn't have free speech. So after the 1831 Nat Turner Rebellion in Virginia, Tennessee clamped down on the expression of abolitionist views. In March 1836, the Tennessee General Assembly passed the following laws. Article 7, Section 2682 of Tennessee Code. No person shall in this state write, print, paint, draw, engrave, or aid, or bet in writing, printing, painting, drawing, or engraving on paper, parchment, linen, linen, metal, or other substance with a view to its circulation, any paper, essay, verses, pamphlet, book, painting, drawing, or engraving calculated to excite discontent, insurrection, or rebellion amongst the slaves or free persons of color. The punishment mm-hmm. for breaking this law was between five and ten years hard labor. Mm, mm, mm. Well, doesn't that sound like the abolition, like prohibition of critical race theory discussion? <laughs> it really does. Let me, you know, I didn't do it at the time, but let me just see if that's if that's ever been removed. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, that, and also we discovered that not only was it after the 1831 Nat Turner Rebellion, but the reason they talked about that in the form of essays and verses is because of uh, Walker, uh, Walker's Appeal, David Walker. So in 1830, Walker's Appeal was circulating. 
And that was scaring the hell out of them. They felt like this is one of the reasons why that tourney happened and why others happened. They don't didn't seem to understand that enslaving people will cause them to rise up on your ass at some point. <laughs> like, that didn't never... Hmm. What they call that? Draftomania. Like, you just always want to be Drake with Domania. Yeah. We did the polls. It's a scientific fact. 99% of all black people want to be free from slavery. It's not white people. <laughs> Trapped. And, and somehow it's a, they consider it a disease. It was a mental disorder to want to be free. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Jenny? Yeah, that, that's one of the things that we've had to talk about in the state, too. Uh, and this is so interesting to me. Like, my brain's just going to five different directions right now. But I will say, as part of this campaign, there has been some reticence on some folks involved about using the word abolition, like, ooh, that's going to scare people. Well, what the F do you think we're talking about? Like, this is exactly what we're talking about. Like, you cannot do this without talking about abolition. And, and you know, and, and reaching people and having conversations across the state, too. Um, I mean, you know, we've already talked about the fact this is a very red state. It's a very racist state. But having a conversation with people and saying, and particularly some white folks as well, saying, this is not just, I mean, this is not just about white or black. It's about right or wrong, because this is your cousin, too. This is your son. This is your brother, who's like white as a lily, and he's in prison, and guess <laughs> what? Guess right. what? He is he's right subject to slavery. Now. That's right. And he's have, also disenfranchised. Yeah, they have so-called tons of uh, white supremacists that are sitting in prison. Absolutely. Right now. I mean, that's the breeding ground. That's a, that is an absolute breeding ground for white supremacy. I mean, that's a recruitment. Yeah. And, and, and guess what? And, and all you white supremacists, you're slaves too. It's just like, oh, my God. It looks like Brother uh, Sean wants to, wants to ask a question. Oh, yeah, bring, bring Sean in. Yeah, bring Sean in. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, Sean. What's Welcome up, Sean? Again. Always hey, Sean. Today. I had um, a question since we're talking about Tennessee, um, and I mentioned to um, you guys, I think, briefly through Facebook. Um, I was wondering um, what uh, if Steve Cohen, um, who's a politician in Tennessee, has a position on this or is aware of it. I'm assuming he is. I know he did, um, he's done things in 2008 doing a national apology, like a non-binding resolution, apologizing for slavery, which I think was um, been around when uh, Slavery by Another Name came out. But I was, and he's done stuff with the reparations um, more recently. I was wondering if he's been involved or is aware of what's going on because the resolution that he did seems like slavery has ended in World War II where we know that it's not, and also, you know, I'm um, being a Tennessee politician, just wondering, um, is Jeannie had any thoughts on that or on knowledge about that? Um, yeah, uh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I learned early on in my life, if I want to learn anything, is to be able to say, I don't know. When I don't know, I do not know the answer to that. Um, and, and there probably is an answer to it. I've got so many politicians, like, running around my brain right now who, have, like, are opposed to this, like, which is great. It's like I'm surprised at some of it. It's, it's awesome, and I don't have the answer to that right now. But I will find out the answer to it, and mm-hmm. um, if we can get that up online, we can do that too, if, that, if that's possible, uh, Maximus. But I'll find out the answer for you. Are you are you familiar with him? Do you do you know him? I, I do know the name. Um, 
that's not somebody who I, I've been aware of and had conversations with active in, in Tennessee politics right now. That is not somebody. Um, but so I just I, I can't answer that yes or no. I, sure. I would presume, which is dangerous to do. I'm trying to see. Uh, but considering mm-hmm. what what you've just said is that would be somebody who's very much supporting Amendment 3. Um, I would hope so. I guess I was just um, – because I thought – district, okay. Yeah, because I started doing some reparations, um, being in some reparations in 2008, so this is kind of a coincidence. And, and before mm-hmm. I really got into knowing about – you know, I obviously knew about the 13th month. I didn't know all these details and – I was like, oh, maybe slavery lasted longer than I thought. Okay, without <laughs> really knowing that it's yeah. going, and it would be really ironic, you know. Of course, Civic being in his state, you know, if he's, you know, not saying that he's attached to that, but just, just it would be kind of ironic thing or apologetic for slavery in a state where we have, of course, Civic. I mean, just I don't know. Yeah, I, I have not seen his name attached to that right now, as far as supporting Amendment Three. Mm-hmm. Might be something worth looking into. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm serious myself. Sean is always bringing people to the plate. Matter of fact, next week the Queen of Benin will be joining us, and that is because Sean introduced me to her. (laughs) You know, uh, and now she's a good friend. You know, one of the things that has been bugging me is in the media the, the the denial. Like, there's only two states in America that don't have slavery and involuntary servitude of those that have these exceptions. That's North Carolina and California. They only have involuntary servitude, just two. The rest of them have slavery and involuntary servitude. Even in the federal amendment, it says the same thing. But when you look at a lot of the media, they'll go strictly to the involuntary servitude part as if the slavery doesn't exist. Like that's denial or cognitive dissonance or willful ignorance, I don't know. But I see that happen way too much to be coincidental. Comments? Well, Max, I mean, I, I just want to say I have had the same thought. Like, I get so frustrated when I when I do see, like, I, like you said, we've gotten good media coverage. But when I see whether it's coverage about Tennessee's amendments or another state, just talking about involuntary servitude, it's like, can, can you not say the S word? <laughs> can you? Um, <laughs> Yeah, because you know, we we got to say it. We cannot just – because. and, again, that's like – to me, that feels like another way of, like, trying to clean up the reality, which just isn't real. Like, speak the truth. Like, we are talking about slavery. Um, and if it makes you feel better to talk about involuntary, uh, involuntary servitude, uh, okay. But you're, I still feel like that's being very much disingenuous if you aren't willing to talk about slavery as well. Very much right. It's a form of denial, I guess. Most they figure if they don't say it, it don't exist. And you got an option. You can say right. slavery or involuntary servitude. So let's go with the involuntary servitude because that S word is going to lose us viewership. <laughs> I guess that's what they're thinking. Well, but I just want to reach out and powder slap them for what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, that's a kind of cognitive dissonance, right? Right. right. For sure. Didn't that happen in Louisiana where they were saying we've abolished slavery, but we only have involuntary servitude? Didn't that happen during the mm-hmm. hearing? I just really yes. remember something like that happening. Yeah. When he was being very, very sarcastic and condescending to Edmund Jordan, yep. and they asked mm-hmm. him, uh, "Do you know what the word, words, what was the, uh, the latter means? Do you know what that mm-hmm. means?" Right. 
in the latter mm-hmm. case. So we're not talking about mm. slavery. And one guy even uh, came up talking about how he was so offended in California that we're even comparing it to slavery. Um, it's like, again, these are the arguments we get. So when I hear people say, you know, even Jeannie, I heard you say it earlier today that we don't have opposition. You don't have it in the state, but all around it's coming. And they're using it in oh. indirect ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're associating yeah. no, no, no. You're, you're, crime and stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're, you're absolutely right, Max. And that, and that's true. What, I think what I meant by that is like right now uh, we don't have an opposition campaign in the state, mm-hmm. uh, but we definitely have opposition. Like you're, you're hundred percent right. There's definitely opposition, but we do not have an opposition campaign. Mm. Um, yeah. It's a, and it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a it's, it's, yeah. Ahead, yeah. Oh God. Right. No, we, we've heard right. that in some of the polling that's been done. It's been, yeah. Okay, so I've been able to find on uh, Steve Cohen that I haven't found anything in Tennessee, but to the federal amendment under House Joint Resolution 53 proposing an amendment to the Constitution of the U.S. to prohibit the use of slavery and involuntary servitude as a punishment for a crime. And in Tennessee, Steve Cohen and Jim Cooper are co-sponsors of the bill. So they know. Great. So he's he sponsored that, but that still doesn't tell me whether or not he knows about what are you all three amendment three what is it called there amendment three yeah, yeah he, he can't I would say he can't not know about it so I'll reach out and find out but like there's there's at this point in this state anybody that's politically connected and plugged in knows about it um, so it's interesting that you're not finding Steve Cohen speaking out right now in support of it because there's just there's no way to not know it right now. Well, look at, look at um, right. Bernie Sanders in Vermont. Like, how could he not know? You know, like, but they, well, I mean, I mean, I know yeah. he's done other criminal <laughs> justice reform stuff. But, yeah. I mean, and, and people love him for, you know, I think for some good reasons, but why isn't he <laughs> supporting well, you know, only state? get blanket answers to stuff like that. Like, you, you got firsthand knowledge. You see how they're acting. They're choosing their spots, if ever at all. Uh, as I sure. said before, yeah. we've been in direct contact with Nancy Pelosi's office. We've been in direct contact with the vice president's office. They're all aware of what's going on. There's a joint resolution on the table with like 100 and some odd sponsors. They all know what's going on, but they're choosing their right. spot. You know, they're like, okay, when, if we win these five states, watch how quickly they be jumping on board. <laughs> If we lose them, like they were down with it the whole time. I never knew you. Right. Exactly. You know? (laughs) So they want to just, I I think they're just choosing their spots. They want to capitalize on what's happening. And right now, we're not the ones to capitalize. Go ahead. Right. And and to that point, Max, I think this is really important for your listeners. States are leading this right now. Mm -hmm. Like the the federal. At the federal level, that's not what's leading this fight right now. It's the it's states not. doing it. States are leading this fight. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are, like, brawling in the pits moment. Like, that's right. who's leading the fight. The states are leading this fight. And, uh, and you know, the fact that anyone is staying silent on the federal level to see what's happening in the state, well, I think that tells you something about them. Right. Mm-hmm. It says a lot. 74 million voted for Trump. Those are the types that will stay silent, and not just them. Also, the Democrats have been 
enemies in some states where they actually well, worked mean, against us. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the silence is deafening. And then also, I mean, I don't make any presumptions about someone just because they're Democrat. Like, you know, I think that's dangerous. I, like, we talked about, like, uh, Malcolm X, like, early on in the intro this was raised. And would it, uh, would the brother Malcolm say, like, he'd rather face a Klansman straight on in front of him than a liberal mm-hmm. behind his back? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Uh, nailed it. That's right. Um, and I think he described it where, you know, they stick the knife in your back nine inches and they take it out three inches. That's not progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I mean, in action, right, again, in action is still action. If you're not acting on something, if you're not speaking out about something, then you are choosing a side. And until you correct that. That's right. I'm going to presume you've chosen a side. Yeah, and these opportunities may come once a lifetime. The work it took us to get to where we are right now is not easily done. We need you to get out and vote. And we're not telling you to go vote for somebody. We're telling you to vote for something that's important to us all. End slavery. Vote yes on three in Tennessee. You can turn it into a chant. You can say it all day. (laughs) It rhymes, right? But, but here's the other part of that, that vote in Tennessee, and I know this is true for other states, too, not just Tennessee, but, well, I think, it, actually, you know what, I think this might be unique to Tennessee because, you know, Tennessee does shit like this. Um, not only are we asking people to go vote yes on three, but in order for your vote to count for a constitutional amendment here in this state, you have to cast a vote for governor. Now, you may not be liking anybody who is running for governor, which means you can write somebody in, write your mama in, write yourself, whoever. It doesn't matter. Write somebody in. But if you right. don't cast Jeez. a vote for governor also, write me in. No, please don't. <laughs> but write somebody in. But, like, write somebody in if you don't want to vote for him. But if you just go to the polls and say, you know what, this is the only thing I care about in this election, and I get that, the only thing I'm excited about and the only, the only point where I see I can actually make a difference Please vote for governor. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I kind of do. But, you know, write somebody in, but you've got to vote for governor as well in order for the vote to count in Tennessee. I think you're unique with that, too. The other five, four states don't have yeah, to Yeah, I think do so, that. too. So, you're unique yeah. with that. so go in, write in Jeannie Alexander as governor or yourself, right. whoever. Um, and write then in Max. Yes, I'm three. I don't even live in Tennessee. Right. But, but I feel like well, an honorary Tennessean. <laughs> some some important dates to think about. October 11th is the voter registration deadline. October 19th through November 3rd is early voting. And, of course, the general election is on November 8th, and you can visit vote.gov to register to vote. Thank you, Yusuf, for that Thank important you so information. Much. Hey, there's one more track that I want to play, uh, Jeannie, and then I want to give you an opportunity to say whatever you want to say and to give uh, information on how people can help vote. I know you need money, so make sure you ask for some money. <laughs> but uh, I want to give you some time. But first, I want to play a track, if that's okay, unless you have something you want to get out right away. Go ahead and do so if you did. No. Yeah, p- yeah go ahead. Right. Please play that track. Right, I'm, I'm waiting to hear it. Things that are a fact: one, slavery is still legal in the state of Tennessee, and two, we're in a position to change that. And this, 
question. You don't have to say, what do you think to somebody? Because there's nothing to think about. That's the facts. And with that being said, we're going to play the Freedom Five in Tennessee. And it's a question. What do you think? And that will be followed by a slavery song featuring Sunshine Vegas and B. Horton. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Tennessee will soon vote to ban slavery and involuntary servitude from our state constitution. And yes, I'm aware of what year it is. This is one of four amendments you can vote on this November. Now, slavery was outlawed in the U.S. more than 150 years ago, but states like Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, Vermont, and Oregon are just now voting to make a change to their constitutions. Right now in Tennessee, the state constitution says slavery is banned unless it's used as punishment for a crime. It's important to note that you'll find the same language in our country's constitution. So voting yes for this new amendment means changing the language, at least here in Tennessee, to say that slavery and involuntary servitude are forever prohibited. Voting no keeps the language just as it is. What do you think? What do you think? It doesn't matter what you think! Sunshine Vegas and B Horton. So, what do you think of that, Jeannie? Mm, I'm just feeling that in my bones right now. Like, yeah. I think a lot, and I just, I just want to take this opportunity if I can. Um, I think this is really important um, for any of your listeners who are caged right now. Um, oh, this is like. Uh, all of this person, right? And I, I just really want to talk about and uh, uplift the fact that the way this started in Tennessee prisoner was with a Muslim constitutionally prisoner. enslaved person, a Muslim prisoner, uh, Brother Mujahideen. Um, yeah, I was going to say, do you know his name? He, we want to we want to make yep. sure it goes down in history that this started Absolutely. with him. Mention yep. him by name. Um, 
by name is Robert Payne, also Brother Mujahideen. And I, I just want to say he is the person who educated me. Um, he is the person who educated me and taught me. Somebody who was uh, in, in my past life a lawyer taught me that slavery has not been abolished in this country and slavery has not been abolished in this state. You know, and and his and you know well, that's the conversations we had one day. He told me he's like nothing is going to change until this changes. And at that time, he's like, "I'm not going to change this." He's like, "They're not going to change this." And he inspired me and so many people working in this state. And we would not be here today. You know, it's very much like Gideon versus Wainwright. You know, the reason that people mm-hmm. have uh, a constitutional right. right to legal representation. Uh, for a criminal offense, right, a crime on the book, it's because of a prisoner who's like, no, <laughs> no, and who, like, who, who and couldn't not even give read up. and write? Yeah, who couldn't even read even and write? write? Did not give up, and th- the same is true for Robert Payne, uh, for Brother Mujahideen here in this state. This started because of him, and so anyone who was caged tonight listening to this understand like nobody is a voice for people on the inside people on the inside have their own voice and have their own impact and they have the ability to change a state constitution and uh my brother is not here now he was released after decades in prison and uh was killed uh in a carjacking and that's one of the things that i really grieve is that he is not going to be here to see this but i will say he is here as an ancestor um, and one of our ancestors, and who is responsible for this. And so I, I can't leave this uh, amazing time with both of you without talking about him, because this would never have happened without him. Right. Not, it's not a politician making it happen. It's not an, uh, an abolitionist or an activist. This is someone who was caged that made this a reality today in Tennessee. So, inshallah, I will see him again. Inshallah. Yes. Yes. Inshallah. God yes. willing. Um, Thank you for that, brother. I want to give you more time, as I said earlier, to tell the audience anything else you want them to know. And then please uh, let them know how they can directly help you and if there's anything important in regards to the voting. You've already expressed about the governor. You might want to repeat that as well. I would say again with voting, those of you who are in Tennessee listening, Please vote yes on Amendment 3, um, early voting, or November the 8th. Make sure you vote for somebody, anybody for governor. Remember, you can always write in. Um, no exceptions, prisoncollective.org. We are always engaging in fights in this state, and this is not our first nor our last fight. Um, and so support is incredibly helpful um, to continue to bring to light the realities of the state and continue our fights. Uh, with our siblings who are caged and their family members and loved ones and other people in the state who support that as well. And I just want to thank both of you so much for this opportunity to spend time with you this evening. Um, it's the best Sunday night I've had in a long time. And um, mm-hmm. love and respect mm-hmm. to both of you. Well, I want thank to you say so much. congratulations on your uh, wedding coming up Friday. That's yeah, right. That's you. right. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Awesome. Uh, 
celebrate happy that you <laughs> yeah, found happy. A, a wedding and a campaign. A wedding and the Thank day you so before much, you're going to be representing for the Freedom Five, and then the next day you're walking down the aisle. <laughs> that is right. Awesome. That's how this rolls. That's how it rolls. Are you going on a uh, honeymoon? Uh, uh, we are eventually. I've got so much in my head of this campaign that, like, we got to plan that a little bit after the wedding. Um, but right now, I got my eyes on the prize. And uh, right. once once we get past November the eighth, then we're gonna talk about having some relaxation and, and love and enjoying each other. Awesome, awesome. I remember when my wife and I got married. Our honeymoon came later, and it was just three days in Vegas. <laughs> just three days. That's all we had. But it was beautiful. <laughs> um, it was back in the day when you could smoke on the plane. That's how long it's been. I think we're going on 37 years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, well, I well, want to please, say thank please you. Please give tribal my love. Will do. Uh, thank you for joining us today. These are the type of conversations that we need to have to allow your voices to be heard, the people who are literally on the ground making it happen. Like you said, the states are leading the way. It's just a lot of noise and agitation going on now in the federal amendment. But who's getting it done yeah. is the ones that have abolished and are abolishing these exceptions to slavery. So your heroes in my eyes, like real superheroes. If you showed up at right. my door with a cape and some goggles on, I would not be surprised, you know, because that's how I see you guys. <laughs> thank you for that. I think I'm a worker bee, but thank you for that. I'll take the cape. <laughs> that sounds nice. Hey, Amen. Go ahead and be a hero. So All thank right. you for joining us today. Uh, it's not going to be the you. last time. Five weeks to go. Five weeks to go. Mm. Um, if you can help finance this effort, what I'd like to see in Tennessee is in the last two weeks for them to go on a uh, massive uh, mass media campaign to buy uh, spots in newspapers, on television, mm-hmm. and radio, and magazines, all of that. Just mm-hmm. you know, put it all out there. And that's going to cost about $300,000. So if you happen to have some of that $300,000, you can send it to – Jeannie, you want to finish that for me? Uh, org, And like I said, just be aware This is going to help fuel future campaigns And work and movement too So thank you for that Amen If you want to see slavery ended in Tennessee That's what we got to do We got to raise that kind of uh, of funding And uh, there's plenty of people out there That just, you know, throw money around Throw it to Tennessee now All right. That's right, reach out to Oprah Since she's, Oprah's from Tennessee So reach out to her Reach out to us. Can I also just uh, say, is, I want to plug ASNN. Please support Abolish Slavery, my national network. Please support ASNN because ASNN has brought all of us together. And ASNN is at the very front of this battle. So I want to plug ASNN. Please support that. So, Max, can you give a website? Yes, you can go to AbolishSlavery.us to make a donation and also to just go ahead and look at all the resources we have available in media, uh, text, and on and on. You could learn so much just by visiting that page. We even have a music playlist if, you know, you just want to jam some abolitionist music. Which is the best playlist I've ever heard, by the way. So thank you. Ain't kidding, man. Ain't kidding. That playlist is banging, man. not kidding. Yeah, you can drive around. You can drive around in your car and turn the turn the turn the music up. Right. Way exactly. up. All right. 
couple of pieces of news. I wanted to get your opinion on just one before you left, if you don't mind. Uh, I was having a conversation uh, in text with Sean and Jeannie uh, recently, and somehow or another they showed me this link about this Frederick Douglass organization that's working with Core Civic. But I jokingly said, uh, do they also have uh, a Harry Tubman Harry correctional Tubman. facility? And then I went and looked it up, and damn it, one don't exist. <laughs> like, because slavers have no damn shame whatsoever. But there is literally a Harriet Tubman residential center that is specifically for juvenile female offenders. And they say the Harriet Tubman Residential Center, named for the celebrated abolitionist and humanitarian, was constructed in 1993 and was operated as a juvenile justice facility for young women according to a statement on the state's Office of Children and Family Service website. And they just got $12 million recently to expand it. Mm. You want my thoughts on that? Yes. My thoughts on that, and and I mean this in the theological way, that is a goddamn heresy. So put your money toward real abolition, uh, toward abolish slavery. Like, there's that's no, that's, that's, Oh, that's <laughs> that is deplorable. Like that is not that is not Harriet Tubman. That is not. Oh my God, that is not our ancestor leading the way with a damn shotgun, right? Whatever. That is not General Tubman. That is not freedom. That is like that is the opposite of freedom. And and there is so much to say about God juvenile facilities in this country and the way that children are being enslaved in this country and God knows Tennessee is the worst of that and support actual abolition. Don't be fooled. Like anything that puts a child in a cage is not abolition. Is that child in a cage? That is not abolition. It's not abolition. I, I, like I said, slavers have no shame whatsoever. Like literally a juvenile detention facility named after Harry Tubman. And you know, we, He, he, we're friends of the Tubman family. Uh, Tina Wyatt, her great grandniece, has been on our show a few times, and we know her personally. So I'm going to ask Tina Wyatt what she thinks about this juvenile justice facility, a detention center being named after her ancestor. Well, justice needs to get out of their mouth because there's no ju- there's no just caging juveniles. Yeah, and those are the right. most expensive right. to, to cage. They make the most money on kids. Uh, like in California, yep. they incarcerate an adult. It's like $96,000 or, or more. But to incarcerate a child is double or triple that. Can I drop one one more fact before I leave? I promise I'm leaving. Go ahead, um, go ahead. In Tennessee, <laughs> in Tennessee, we're talking about Memphis, Shelby County. 100% of juveniles who've gotten a life sentence are black. 100%. Damn. 100%. 100%. Over 97% in Davidson County, which is Nashville. 100% in Shelby County. So mm-hmm. let's talk about quote-unquote justice. Yes, that's what they uh, told us about Louisiana. It's very virtually the same thing. 100%. Yeah, almost the same thing, 100%. Uh, yeah, of the juveniles there in Louisiana are all black. Like how is it 100- mm-hmm. in Tennessee and in Louisiana, you can't find one crazy white kid. That's what you're trying to tell us. 
No, they got they got they got white. There there are white juvenile lifers in Tennessee too, for sure. But coming out of Memphis, coming out of Shelby County, and Shelby County is like right. that's also our death machine. That's what generates our death our death penalty and our death sentences in the mm-hmm. state too. But like a hundred percent are black. So, I mean, the word justice don't even like that's not even a thing. During the awesome. Justice. Well, we we're gonna make we're gonna get this done, Gene. You and I and you sitting yes, all are. the abolitionists we across are. the country. We, are going to celebrate like it's 1999 come November 8th. That's right. <laughs> we'll party like it's 1999. Ooh. There's going to be watch parties yeah. happening in each of the five states, so look out for that. Uh, I want to say once again thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we still have a fantastic segment ahead of us. It's our Bridging the Gap segment, and this week we're mm. using Wilbur, Wilbur Wilberforce, which we use his quote as our motto here on this program every week. Yeah. You may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. If you listen to this show, Amen. That's right. you know, and you're responsible now for what you know, you can act on it or you can pretend to be ignorant, but you know. All right, Brother Yusuf, you want to go ahead and get into our sponsors and stuff? And, uh, Absolutely. Then we'll close them out. All right. Definitely and wanna, don't forget, uh... next week, the show, we're having the Queen of Benin with Curtis Davis and Louisiana. And also let them know about this Thursday with the press conference. I, I got them all. <laughs> all right. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, uh, Jeannie. I see she's already gone. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Doug, in Illinois. Thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support. Uh, getting into our thanking our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sama Urge, uplifting, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, the Black Talk Radio Network, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's going to be youtube.com slash abolition today. Also, go to abolitiontoday.org, and you can find all of the news, information, and music you hear on this program we're also available on all major podcast platforms. Remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us. Also go to no exceptions. What is it? Noexceptions.org. Noexceptionsprisoncollective.org to support Jeannie and the movement there in Tennessee. Some announcements that we want to get into that Max just alluded to. We have a press conference this Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, and 8 Pacific. You can go to it's going to be it's going to be live on thefreedom5.com. That's www.thefreedom5, and that's the number five. Thefreedom5.com. It's a press conference with the Freedom Five. So make sure you mark your calendar, set a reminder somewhere to make sure you tune in for that. And next week we'll be joined again by Her Majesty, the Queen Mother of Benin, DeWolte Desir. I'm not going to say the rest of her name because I'm going to mess it up. Max is really good at saying it. And we'll also have Curtis Davis, the Executive Director of the Carcerate, Louisiana. Tonight's Bridging the Gap, William Wilberforce's abolition speech delivered on May 12, 1789. And that's going to be followed up by Cash Doll. 13th Amendment. We'll be back next Sunday, October 9th, 
God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Abolition. Abolition. When I consider the magnitude of the subject which I am to bring before the House, a subject in which the interests not of this country, nor of Europe alone, but of the whole world and of posterity are involved, and when I think at the same time on the weakness of the advocate who has undertaken this great cause, when these reflections press upon my mind, it is impossible for me not to feel both terrified and concerned at my own inadequacy to such a task. But when I reflect, however, on the encouragement which I have had through the whole course of a long and laborious examination of this question, and how much candour I have experienced, and how conviction has increased within my own mind in proportion as I have advanced in my labours, when I reflect especially that however averse any gentleman may now be, yet we shall all be of one opinion in the end. When I turn myself to these thoughts, I take courage, I determine to forget all my other fears, and I march forward with a firmer step in the full assurance that my cause will bear me out, and that I shall be able to justify upon the clearest principles every resolution in my hand, the avowed end of which is the total abolition of the slave trade. I wish exceedingly in the outset to guard both myself and the house from entering into the subject with any sort of passion. It is not their passions I shall appeal to. I ask only for their cool and impartial reason, and I wish not to take them by surprise, but to deliberate point by point upon every part of this question. I mean not to accuse anyone, but to take the shame upon myself, in common indeed with the whole Parliament of Great Britain, for having suffered this horrid trade to be carried on under their authority. We are all guilty. We ought all to plead guilty, and not to exculpate ourselves by throwing the blame on others. And I therefore deprecate every kind of reflection against the various descriptions of people who are more immediately involved in this wretched business. Having now disposed of the first part of this subject, I must speak of the transit of the slaves in the West Indies. This, I confess, in my own opinion, is the most wretched part of the whole subject. So much misery condensed in so little room is more than the human imagination had ever before conceived. I will not accuse the Liverpool merchants. I will allow them, nay, I will believe them to be men of humanity, and I will therefore believe, if it were not for the enormous magnitude and extent of the evil which distracts their attention from individual cases, and makes them think generally, and therefore less feelingly, on the subject, they would never have persisted in the trade. I verily believe, therefore, if the wretchedness of any one of the many hundred negroes stowed in each ship could be brought before their view, and remain within the sight of the African merchant, that there is no one among them whose heart would bear it. Let any one imagine to himself six or seven hundred of these wretches, chained two and two, surrounded with every object that is nauseous and disgusting, diseased and struggling under every kind of wretchedness. How can we bear to think of such a scene as this? 
one would think it had been determined to heap upon them all the varieties of bodily pain, for the purpose of blunting the feelings of the mind, and yet, in this very point, to show the power of human prejudice, the situation of the slaves has been described by Mr. Norris, one of the Liverpool delegates, in a manner which, I am sure, will convince the house how interest can draw a film across the eyes so thick that total blindness could do no more, and how it is our duty, therefore, to trust not to the reasonings of interested men, or to their way of colouring a transaction. Their apartments, says Mr. Norris, are fitted up as much for their advantage as circumstances will admit. The right ankle of one, indeed, is connected with the left ankle of another by a small iron fetter, and if they are turbulent, by another on their wrists. They have several meals a day, some of their own country provisions, with the best sources of African cookery, and by way of variety another meal of pulse, according to European taste. After breakfast they have water to wash themselves, while their apartments are perfumed with frankincense and lime juice. Before dinner they are amused after the manner of their country. The song and dance are promoted, and, as if the whole was really a scene of pleasure and dissipation, it is added that games of chance are furnished. The men play and sing, while the women and girls make fanciful ornaments with beads, which they are plentifully supplied with. Such is the sort of strain in which the Liverpool delegates, and particularly Mr. Norris, gave evidence before the Privy Council. What will the House think when, by the concurring testimony of other witnesses, the true history is laid open? The slaves, who are sometimes described as rejoicing at their captivity, are so wrung with misery at leaving their country that it is the constant practice to set sail at night lest they should be sensible of their departure. The pulse which Mr. Norris talks of are horse beans, and the scantiness, both of water and provision, was suggested by the very legislature of Jamaica in the report of their committee to be a subject that called for the interference of Parliament. Mr. Norris talks of frankincense and lime juice, when surgeons tell you the slaves are stowed so close that there is not room to tread among them, and when you have it in evidence from Sir George Young that even in a ship which wanted two hundred of her complement the stench was intolerable. The song and the dance, says Mr. Norris, are promoted. It had been more fair, perhaps, if he had explained that word promoted. The truth is that for the sake of exercise these miserable wretches loaded with chains, oppressed with disease and wretchedness, are forced to dance by the terror of the lash, and sometimes by the actual use of it. I, says one of the other evidences, was employed to dance the men, while another person danced the women. Such, then, is the meaning of the word promoted, and it may be observed, too, with respect to food, that an instrument is sometimes carried out in order to force them to eat, which is the same sort of proof how much they enjoy themselves in that instance also. As to their singing, what shall we say when we are told that their songs are songs of lamentation upon their departure, which, while they sing, are always in tears, insomuch that one captain, more humane as I should conceive him, therefore, than the rest, threatened one of the women with a flogging, because the mournfulness of her song was too painful for his feelings. 
In order, however, not to trust too much to any sort of description, I will call the attention of the house to one species of evidence which is absolutely infallible. Death, at least, is a sure ground of evidence, and the proportion of deaths will not only confirm, but if possible, will even aggravate our suspicion of their misery in the transit. It will be found, upon an average of all the ships of which evidence has been given at the Privy Council, that exclusive of those who perish before they sail, not less than twelve and a half percent perish in the passage. Besides these, the Jamaica report tells you that not less than four and a half percent die on the shore before the day of sail, which is only a week or two from the time of landing. One-third more die in the seasoning, and this in a country exactly like their own, where they are healthy and happy as some of the evidences would pretend. The diseases, however, which they contract on shipboard, the astringent washes which are to hide their wounds, and the mischievous tricks used to make them up for sale, are, as the Jamaica report says, a most precious and valuable report which I shall often have to advert to, one principal cause of this mortality. Upon the whole, however, here is mortality of about fifty per cent, and this among negroes who are not bought unless, as the phrase is with cattle, they are sound in wind and limb. How then can the house refuse its belief to the multiplied testimonies before the Privy Council of the savage treatment of the negroes in the middle passage? Nay, indeed, what need is there of any evidence? The number of deaths speaks for itself, and makes all such inquiry superfluous. As soon as ever I had arrived thus far in my investigation of the slave trade, I confess to you, sir, so enormous, so dreadful, so irremediable did its wickedness appear, that my own mind was completely made up for the abolition. A trade founded in iniquity, and carried on as this was, must be abolished, let the policy be what it might, let the consequences be what they would, I from this time determined that I would never rest till I had effected its abolition. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom. Proclamation. Oh, but be careful, black men. I know you eager to climb. 
Slavery is legal if you're convicted of a crime. And when that crime that you committed, probably don't fit the time. How you building ships for NASA and they pay you a dime. A conspiracy they try to censor you when you speak. They can't hide behind the sheets, so not they do you like me. Meanwhile, you taking chances out here trying to survive. Yeah, not a lot has changed since 1865, but still they try to teach you that everybody's equal. Until you up for the same job as white people. Just know until we walk into the gates of the kingdom, we gon' stand here united, ready to fight for our freedom. Jeanette Smith. I am a slavery abolitionist. Some of you may know me. I'm doing this recording because I would like to ask if any of you can help with some financial assistance. Max and Yusuf do not like to ask for money, so I would like to ask on their behalf because they and other abolitionists pull money out of their own pockets, and this is so important. So if you can help, you can find the information at the top of the Facebook page for Abolition Today. Thank you. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.